0: Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and today we have a first-time guest, Zach Tedrow, to discuss Psalm 83. Zach is our Interim Director of Youth here at Granite Springs, but his full-time work is at World Relief Sacramento as their volunteer and intern coordinator. We're really grateful to have Zach here at the church with his thoughtfulness and care for our youth, and I'm looking forward to this conversation As he has allowed me to strong arm him into an episode of Curious Psalms. So, to get us started, here's Zach reading Psalm 83.
1: O God, do not remain silent. Do not turn a deaf ear. Do not stand aloof, O God. See how your enemies growl, how your foes rear their heads. With cunning, they conspire against your people. They plot against those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation so that Israel's name is remembered no more. With one mind they plot together, they form an alliance against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, of Moab and the Hagrites, Biblos, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia with the people of Tyre, even Assyria has joined them to reinforce Lot's descendants. Do to them as you did to Midian, as you did to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon who perished at Indor and became like dung on the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmuna, who said, let us take possession of the pasture lands of God. Make them like tumbleweed, my God, like chaff before the wind. As fire consumes the forest or a flame sets the mountains ablaze, so pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Cover their faces with shame, Lord, so that they will seek your name. May they ever be ashamed and dismayed. May they perish in disgrace. Let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high
0: over all the earth. Zach, welcome to Curious Psalms. Uh, Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You said earlier, and I hadn't thought about it this way, but I quite like it that for people on staff, it's like a rite of passage to be forced on the podcast. I want to add, you know, having you on for Psalm 83, it's a rite of passage to have to pronounce all those names. Yeah. <laughs> you did very, very well. Yeah, I practiced. Did you so, really? Yeah. I, I just, I, well, I I was very impressed. I don't think I could have done nearly as smoothly as you did because that, folks, that was a one-take reading of the psalm. So it's it's great to have you on and I'm looking forward to... A conversation, but a bit of a tricky psalm. Sorry about that. Yeah. (laughs) Shall we dive in with the easiest question to start with? Hopefully the easiest question. What stood out to you in reading this psalm?
1: Yeah. So when I first read the psalm, I thought, this is not a psalm that you typically are going to hear read in church. Yeah. Like it's It comes off a little strong, a little little aggressive. Just a little. Just a little. Destroy our enemies and... So when I first read it, that was like what I paid attention to. But then as I read it again, what really stood out to me was the way that it's a little bit more complicated than that. Hmm. That even though the psalmist here is talking about all of these nations are coming against Israel and is asking God for deliverance. He doesn't specifically ask for them to be completely destroyed. He asked for them to be shamed, for them to, to turn back to God, for God to show his power to them. So particularly like towards the end of the psalm in verses 16 okay. and at the very end in verse 18, it says, cover their faces with shame, Lord, so that they will seek your name. So even though it starts off with like, God, all of these people have plotted against Israel to completely destroy us and to yeah. wipe your people off the face of the earth. He's not asking for direct retribution of God, so wipe them off the face of the earth since they wanted to do that. It's instead asking God, show your power, save your people from this attack, and help those people who want to come against us to see who you are.
0: Hmm. I really appreciate that reading, Zach. I think that's really careful. I mean, like you said, the nuance to this. I mean, what stood out to me too was verse 16. What I love about the way that you've read the psalm is you've taken verse 16 and then read it back to frame everything that's going on in the psalm, which makes sense to me. I read it and just thought, what in the world is going on in this verse? <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Just feels so incongruous with what's come before. Like, it doesn't match up. But now, as you say that, so that in fact, that was verse 16 was going to be my answer to this question, too. Like, what stood out to me was how bizarre verse 16 was. And I I even did a little digging. I'm like, in the original language, is this a weird translation thing? Like, seek your name? Like, is that negative somehow for them? And it doesn't seem to be. It seems to be like this strange, like, I don't know if the psalmist just like has a moment of pity and it's like, well, maybe they could still turn to you or what? I don't know what's going on there, but I just thought it's bizarre. And then the next verse talks about perishing again. But I think you're I think you might be onto to something that's helpful here in reading that back over over the context of the psalm. Because yeah, there's this prayer there's this prayer that these enemies would be defeated like the enemies of old, who perished at Endor and became like dung on the ground. Not not the most noble of endings, right? But the idea that really the request here is is kind of the vindication of God and his people. Yeah. And then that requires a shaming on their part but yeah it's not it's not one for one necessarily
1: yeah cuz what's also interesting to me is if you're starting at like the very beginning of the psalm yeah the psalmist is yes saying that these are the enemies of Israel but then he ties that to God these are your enemies too yeah by destroying us they want to destroy your nation your people your covenant and so that's like the initial call to the lord is god we need you to save us from these people. But it's really interesting to me that we start off in verse 4 with these enemies saying, come let us destroy them as a nation so that Israel's mm-hmm. name is remembered no more. But then we're not, that the psalmist is never asking God destroy these nations that want to come against your people so that they're remembered no more. We don't see that. Instead, he's asking at the end of the psalm, may they ever be ashamed and dismayed May they perish in disgrace let them know that you whose name is the lord that you will honor the most high over all the earth like you're saying it is a little bizarre that this is the the end of this this is the request yeah
0: i just think this is really insightful it's really helpful zach the the imbalanced nature of the threat and then the request It's really intriguing. So we move to our second question and see kind of how this plays out as we keep talking. Second question is, of course, how do we encounter God or what do we learn about God in this psalm?
1: Yeah, I think one thing that I was thinking about as I was reflecting on this psalm with that question is again, at the beginning, the psalmist is trying to identify these enemies as both enemies of Israel, but the enemies of God as well. And I started thinking about do we automatically assume that the people who we think are might be our enemies are also God's enemies? Do we automatically take that kind of stance of if someone if I think someone has a different different belief or in our context is probably not a literal enemy coming to destroy us, but if I feel threatened by someone, do I then assume that they're automatically God's enemy as well? Mm. And what I see this psalm is a prayer of someone saying these God, these people are going to come against me. This is how I feel. Mm-hmm. This is what my emotions are. And calling on God to recognize that it's an extremely honest prayer of His own emotions and wanting to like have them have them destroyed, like mm-hmm. the previous enemies of Israel. But then He still ends with God, make yourself known. Yeah, it, it's still that imbalance. Yeah, uh, of not asking for them to be fully destroyed. Hmm. But I think that's partially just saying to god this is how i feel about the situation i'm being completely honest of what my opinion of these people is yeah but then not assuming that all right so the answer is god destroy them now yeah like, i'm the one who's in the right
0: yeah, yeah 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 and to push that tension a little bit even further it's like the psalmist does assume that god will identify these as his own enemies right like that's what you were talking about a little bit earlier like right. even is so bold to say it In verse five with one mind they plot together they form an alliance against you
1: well not really
0: like it's unlikely that all these people that he's talking about are like saying like let's move against yahweh the god of israel what they're saying is let's go take that nice land right there and claim it as our own and defeat israel i don't like i love that question you opened kind of this this part with like do we assume sort of god's on our side and it seems like as we think about it, I'm like, if a junior hire comes to you and says, Zach, I have this person I really dislike at school and I need a psalm to pray about them. Like you're unlikely to be like, here's Psalm 83. Like right. <laughs> right. Like here's here's my pastoral my pastoral move is be like, why don't you just pray this psalm then about them? But let me try this on, and then I'd be curious for kind of your reflections too. It seems like part of the key here is that the people are not coming against an individual. There's plenty of songs where it, it's talking about an individual enemies, but but in this case, the almost the confidence that these could be God's enemies is because these these enemies are coming against God's people. And I wonder if that can be a helpful sort of temperature check for us. Am I identifying this person as an enemy because I disagree with them or they make me uncomfortable personally, and so now they must be an enemy of God because God's on my side? But I think there is also a way in which the psalmist is tapping into something like God's care for his people and his vindication. And there's a very different thing to say. We can think about places around the world where this is quite literal. Like there are enemies of God's people who are trying to, whether it's persecuting the church or not allow the gospel to be spread in certain places, or even systems that kind of sort of rear their head within our culture that then are pushing back on God and his witness and the good news of grace and all these things. It's like, okay, maybe that's the place where it's safer to say like these feel like enemies in God. I'm confident that in your protection and your care for your people, these are your enemies too.
1: Yeah. I think so too. I think you're onto something, especially because the examples that the psalmist uses from Israel's history, it's all of these people that came against Israel back in the book of judges. Yeah. It's, the enemies from the story of Deborah and the story of Gideon. Mm. It's enemies that came against the entire nation. And so he's referring back to these stories from their national history of here is how God delivered us from the enemies that want to come against our nation before. And then now in the present for the psalmist, God, would you save us again like you have in the past? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you show your power again? So definitely I think there is that aspect to it of we might Read the Bible always with a very individualistic approach mm-hmm. of, all right, God, what are you trying to tell me about mm-hmm. my particular life? But I think there's also a benefit to reading it from a more communal approach yeah. of what does the Psalm say to the church? What does it say to our communities that we're a part of? How can we pray against the things
0: that are unjust within our own societies so yeah, and within life. our communities? Mm-hmm. Really well said. I, our, our third question maybe taps, you know taps into that corporate because usually i put it how does this psalm help us to pray and just a moment's reflection the question is not actually how does this psalm help me to pray although often that's how i even think about the question and maybe there's a vision where it's not just how does it help us to to pray but how does it help us as god's people to pray is maybe the most appropriate version of the question for this psalm so let me ask it just straight mm-hmm. how does this psalm psalm 83 lots of enemies help us to pray
1: yeah I think one of the ways that it can help us pray, and there's a lot of different ways to go with this, Sure, but one of the ways is to just reflect on how honest the psalmist is in saying how he feels about the situation. It feels like all of these people from every direction are coming against the nation of Israel. It feels like they are plotting together and actually saying, come, let us destroy them as a nation, so Mm -hmm. Israel's name is remembered no more. He's kind of putting together we don't know what the exact situation is when he's writing this but he's kind of putting together all these different potential enemies into kind of one huge alliance against them yeah and he's saying god it feels like they're coming against us they're coming against your people from every side you've done these things for us in the past we know this from our history of Mm -hmm. you have sustained your people you have protected them but the psalmist doesn't let that hold him back of Oh well, God, you'll you'll take care of this, so yeah. we'll we'll be fine. He starts out with being extremely honest of God. This is how I feel right now, mm-hmm. and then also then calls for some like pretty aggressive language of make them like tumbleweed, my God, like chaff for the wind as fire consumes the forest. Like he uses like these very intense images of yeah. God. Will you take care of them mm-hmm. for us? And then he closes with the verses about God, will you make yourself known? Will you shame them for what they have done? But He doesn't ask them for for them to be completely destroyed. So it comes back around. So I think that's one thing that I take away from this of how we can pray as a community today is being extremely honest in our prayers of the emotions that we have, how we feel about situations Mm. in our lives, even if they feel all-consuming and to be able to still give that to God. God can hold all of our emotions and how we feel about the situations. There's so many different things going on in the world right now that yeah. it, it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed yeah. by that. And I think this type of prayer of just being really honest with God, I feel overwhelmed. Hmm. It feels like there are your enemies, enemies of, of the gospel, of goodness, of justice, coming at us from every side. Yeah. So we're able to still pray that way. Tell God all of our emotions about a situation. Even maybe pray with like, God, this is what I wish you would do in Mm -hmm. this situation. This is how I wish you would treat these people. Yeah. And then still come back to, but God, make yourself known in the situation. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it?
0: No, I think that's great. I mean, just looking at verse one, like the the honesty, like you're saying, and the plaintiveness of that cry. Oh God, do not remain silent. Do not turn a deaf ear. Do not stand aloof. Oh God, right? Yeah, this prayer is hyper-specific in many ways. <laughs> like You read a lot of place names in this prayer, but that is a universal cry of the heart, isn't it? That Just that opening verse of the psalm. I was thinking, too, about the psalmist identifying God with his people and this close identification and then what Jesus introduces into that whole mix. This psalm has, like, like, verse 16 cracks the door open to a different reality than just retributive violence, right, back and forth, just like you've helpfully been saying. But I think in Jesus we get that even more clearly. It's not that we can't name these. It's not that we can't express ourselves honestly towards God, just like you're saying, but in Jesus, we realize God identifies with His people not as a military power or as a nation state, but with people of faith and people who are willing to follow Him in a, in a, frankly, a very different way than warring over a piece of land or anything like that. And that that identification of God with His people then does allow us, allow us to rest, allows us to not have to seek the retribution. We can we can leave it to God, and so our prayers. I think they can be transformative to our prayers. In this psalm, there's a lot of defending and a lot of protecting. And who's who's to blame the psalmist based on what they're experiencing? But there's like this little crack open in that verse 16 that there might be even a different reality that we could live into. Where even these enemies might seek the name of the Lord. And that maybe maybe the shame that the prayer that the psalmist is praying for might come to a new a new glorious resolution where they would see the glory and they would witness it and they might become part of the worshiping community. And then I think the question was like, okay, well, how do we pray into that reality? And where are the ways that we rest in God's identification with us in Jesus, where we rest in not having to defend ourselves because of what God does on our behalf? And then how does that begin over a lifetime really to shape the kinds of prayers? So I don't want to say... Let's pray dishonest prayers. I think God's looking for our honest prayers. But also, as we continue to kind of rehearse this and live out the way of Jesus, what is how's this going to change? And I suspect that it might over time, over a long, long period of time, mm-hmm. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think what you're talking about, like, it's that's the heart of God. Mm. Like, even in this context of ancient Israel and the Psalms, Ultimately, we know from God's character that his goal is not for these other nations to be completely destroyed or for Israel to take over these other nations, even um, Mm -hmm. like these enemies are saying they want to do to Israel. Yeah, And so I think you see here, like what you're talking about, just the crack, just the door starting to open for that. That's what God's heart is for it, Mm -hmm. is for his nation and is later for the church as well, for us today, is that even in the situations that seem, seem unjust or seem like too much for us to handle, we can call on God to save us in the situations, to help us through them. Yeah. But also knowing that those other people that we might disagree with, God has just as much love for them. He wants yeah. to see them come back to him just as much his care for them is as much as he cares for us. So it, it's kind of reminding me of the prodigal son story even. Yeah. of The father cares equally. He loves both the older brother that has been there the whole time and he loves the younger brother who has left and done these terrible things against yeah. his father. I can see kind of both of those in the psalm. Mm-hmm. of God loves the nation Israel, but then he also loves these other nations as well that mm-hmm. are in their actions wanting to come against israel
0: yeah well zach this did not go at all the direction i was thinking because you very helpfully i think reoriented the psalm for me in our conversation which is maybe the my favorite thing that happens in having conversations about the psalms so i I said thank you so much for coming on for a first time first time podcast guest i think this was a home run
1: yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. An absolute pleasure. We'll have to have you on for the rite of passage that is doing a second Psalm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, yes. Well, thanks again. Let's conclude again with this. I love how we were talking about this. This kind of the honest cry of the heart from verse one. Oh God, do not remain silent. Do not turn a deaf ear. Do not stand aloof. Oh God. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms.